Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with John Bowman from Inside Carolina. And today we are doing a very special pod because I am joined by Zach Goings and Jake Lawler of the Inside the Film Room pod. For those that may not be familiar, it is a podcast that is focused on providing reviews of movies, trailers, a bunch of stuff really. So if anyone is not subscribed, you can do that. Jake and Zach, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to get started, so let's go. Nice. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and um, give a little bit of background. How did you guys start this podcast? Because it's, you know, I think uh, it's the old stigma used to be that with athletes, it wasn't really a common thing that people would be so open about liking like comic book movies, mm-hmm. which we're, we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So where were you guys at when you had the idea of, hey, we like this stuff. Let's do a podcast about it. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah, take, um, take the reins? So it's actually almost like our one-year anniversary, so it's a pretty emotional time <laughs> for us. But, Single um, tier. Yeah, so we both have been doing Twitter reviews for a long time. Just every time you see a movie, tweet what you thought of it. And uh, the people that were in charge of social media for Tar Heel football knew about that. And so after Infinity War last year, we did a little video for them. And uh, that kind of took off, and we were both like, hey, that was a lot of fun. So uh, why don't we keep doing that? And uh, the podcast was born. Yeah, and I guess in terms of uh, the comic book movies, I've been a I have a comic book tattooed on my arm, so it's like it's kind of a part <laughs> of me. And I remember there was a time where you would kind of be shunned for liking that stuff, and then yeah. you know, now with the explosion of the MCU, it's, it's like everyone's cool a fan. Now. Yeah, it's 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 you know, it's what's in, it's what's hot. And then I remember when we did in the Infinity War video that we just kind of decided to branch out and do our own thing, and you know, we've been successful with it. We've liked doing it, and we're excited to keep doing it. So. Nice. And um, it really is one of those things where, you know, nowadays podcasts are kind of the new thing. It's a very popular medium. For sure. Um, and you guys are part of like the younger generation. I don't know. I think you're too young for millennials. I don't know what they would <laughs> qualify you guys as. But when it comes to podcasting, is that something that you guys feel is just more like just popular overall today? I think so. It's definitely the, the big boom right now, like you said. Um, I mean, this sounds bad because I'm a reporting major, so I'm all about writing, but it's easier, I feel like, than sitting down and typing out your thoughts because right now I can just, like, keep going and and just say it right as it comes to me, especially when we're talking about movies because we'll start talking about one topic and then branch off, and next thing you know, we're talking about a completely different movie or a completely different genre or something like that, whereas with other mediums, you can't really have that stream of consciousness thinking as easily. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of the more accessible and the more easily digestible mm-hmm. um, medium for the audience that we're kind of catering to. I think, you know, a lot of us in kind of our generation don't necessarily read as much as we should. And um, unless it comes from <laughs> social media, it comes from some sort of Twitter feed. But to be able to kind of put this on in a car, or put this on while you're working out or put this on while you're doing something else and you can kind of still digest what we're saying and kind of. Um, you know, relate to the things that we're saying. I think it kind of helps out for us. My roommates make fun of me because I listen to podcasts while I work out and they're all jamming out. (laughs) That was actually one thing I was going to ask, you know, like do other guys on the team, when you guys are doing like workouts, going for runs and stuff like that, is it becoming almost like maybe a 50-50 split with guys that do listen to podcasts versus music or is it still kind of slated towards one or the other? I think when we do team activities, it's mostly music dominated, but there are a lot of people 
um, that I know on a team, or at least a couple people that mm-hmm. will listen to podcasts, whether it be sports podcasts, whether it be like serial or like the crime drama podcast. Yeah. That's the thing like about that. podcasts too, is that there's literally one for every topic Absolutely. ever. So no matter what your interest is, you can find something that'll appeal to you. And then, so John, you know, you have been a lot of time covering the, the football team. So have you seen kind of the guys, you know, maybe jam out or when the music's playing and what's your take kind of on, you know, podcasting your life and what you think about the, just the availability of that nowadays? Yeah. Well, I'll start with a story about my brother. I know my brother's a 12th grader and he does not <laughs> listen or excuse me, he never reads anything. He only listens. <laughs> so like if he wants to read about fantasy football, he won't read about it. He'll just go to uh, listen to a podcast. So I think podcasting is definitely in the future. But yeah, I've noticed that a lot of guys on the team, they're big music guys, but they're also big pop culture guys. So sometimes after practice, I'll ask them about the latest trailer, stuff like that. I think at the end of the day, everyone is still a college kid and college <laughs> kids like us, we're super excited about these movies because they're just so good. I know, and then you and Zach are both graduating soon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Okay. But uh, let's go ahead and get to the meat of it. Now, Zach and Jake, I know you guys did your podcast already covering Endgame. For sure. Um, hopefully, everyone listening to this knows about Avengers Endgame, <laughs> or if you don't, I don't know how you would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you live made, under a rock. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, the movie made what one point four, one point two billion, 2 billion two this weekend worldwide. Uh, yeah. So everyone should know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when you guys were watching this, I mean, these films have gone on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Y'all are both in your early 20s. Yeah. So when these films started, how old were you guys? So y'all? Iron Man was 2008, mm-hmm. so that was 12. So yeah. it's, been, it's been a while. And, you know, the funny thing about, and we kind of discussed this, not in the Endgame one, but just Marvel in general, mm-hmm. is that I've been around comic books all my life, and, you know, I've read DC, which I am more of a fan of DC superheroes <laughs> than, but the Marvel movies are much better. Yeah. Um, hopefully it won't be the case for long, but that's tangential. Anyway, um, I remember because Iron Man was a character that was vilified um, in the kind mm-hmm. of comic book niche area because what they did is they did the Civil War graphic novel stint. And um, it was you know, widely received that Iron Man was kind of the villain of the entire thing. And it was, it's just, it's mind boggling to me that they chose him to kind of run Start the whole everything. thing. And like, he was kind of, people that didn't, people that didn't, well, many people didn't know him and the people that did know him hated him. And then, you know, the fact that they ran with him and kind of gave Robert Downey Jr. and uh, John Favreau a chance to bring this into light is just unbelievable to me. And now it is what it is, so. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, we were sitting here billions of, of dollars later. And for you guys and, and John, get your thoughts on this as well, because you kind of grew up with it. You know, when you guys were kids, see, I probably, so I would have been in my early 20s when they came out back in 08, actually would have been in Carolina still. A yeah. um, little bit older, but, you know, at that time, superhero films just weren't very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like the original Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. that Those were... Those were the first like popular ones I feel yeah. like, and mm-hmm. and then like the Batman movies, but it wasn't like there was a once in a once in a while kind of thing. It wasn't yeah. like uh, three movies a year. So yeah, like I remember growing up on like the original Batman movies, and mm-hmm. like those were cool, but they were not critically yeah. acclaimed. Um, you know, John, when you think back to when the Marvel movies first started, could you have ever imagined that they would grow into just the empire that they are today? Yeah, I definitely never saw anything like this coming. When you're asking this question, I was thinking back to sort of my introduction to these movies because I'm a little different from Jake in that I didn't ever really read the comics. So the movies were sort of the starting point for me. 
And I can remember like birthday parties where we went to Iron Man 2 and back then I didn't really know what it was so I was like, you know, <laughs> what are we going to see here? But it was Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014 that sort of kicked it all off for me mm. and I've sort of watched it pretty religiously ever since then <laughs> but I've just seen it keep growing and growing and the movies just are, keep getting better and better it feels like. Yeah. So it gives fans like me uh, no reason other than just to keep coming back and keep watching these movies. Now, Zach, what about you? Were you big into comics growing up at all? Yeah, I mean, I watched some, like, superhero TV shows, like cartoons and stuff, but never really read too many comics. So uh, similar to John, I was, like, with the, the Iron Man movies, the, the yeah. original movies that started off, um, and then just diving right in. And once you kind of realize that the first couple revelations where it's like, wait, this one's connected to that one and that one's connected here, and then to see this massive, like, conglomerate that it's turned into. It really is something about the movie itself, and I'm gonna go ahead and put out the traditional spoiler warnings because <laughs> we'll just jump straight into it. You guys did a little bit of a uh, spoiler-free review on y'all's pod. We're gonna just go full bore. This is a spoiler <laughs> pod. For anyone listening in, if you have kids who want to go see Endgame, they have not, please turn it off now. You can check back in later on when we talk about some different topics, but for now, let me get y'all's thoughts on the just the intro to the movie because I'll tell you, it was a little bit weird to me how Captain Marvel just like showed up and everyone was really cool with it. Yeah. And I've read online that I guess the the thought is the seek the um, post credit scene from in Captain Marvel. her movie, I guess actually happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess they told her to go save Tony Stark. Is that how y'all interpreted that? Because it yeah. was kind of jarring to me, honestly. There was like, a lot like. When that post credit scene happened, people were like, oh, so I guess this is just a scene from Endgame. This is what mm-hmm. we're going to see later. Because they've done that before with uh, a couple post credit scenes. And then I, I kind of felt the same way that I was expecting to see that happen. And I was also looking forward to seeing her meet them. Um, but then, yeah, we're just kind of diving right in with it. But it, it didn't, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't too too big of a turnoff. Yeah, and, you know, it was an abrupt transition. Um, but it was a transition that I think was needed because mm-hmm. there was not necessarily any way that any feasible way where they could kind of survive for Tony and Nebula could really survive what they're happening. So, you know, when in doubt, it is a superhero movie. So, like, <laughs> let's have superheroes in it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I almost wish that there was just like that five minutes where you did get that scene of her coming in yeah. and then being right. like, hey, who are you? Okay, we know who you are now. Can you go find, like, Tony Stark? Yeah and Nebula, and then she would peace out yeah. and go get them. But I don't know, it was, it was kind of jarring, but even more so, when they just go and like kill Thanos in the first, like, yeah. what, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. we're going to wrap this up pretty quick now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, John, like, when you, you've seen this movie three times. Yes. I only saw it once. How many times have you seen it? Today? I've only seen it once as well. Twice. Dang, okay. So you two... We're contributing to the $1.2 billion. Yeah, that works, <laughs> yes. So look, when you saw it three times, John, you know, has the shock of like Thanos being decapitated in the first 10, 15 minutes, has that worn off yet? Yeah, I, I think each of the three times I've seen it, it's funny to hear sort of the audience reaction to this sort of shocking moment. And the second time, I think someone was like, so is the movie over? And someone just yelled <laughs> that out. I was like, no, hang on. Uh, it's definitely a shocking thing, but I think that's what makes the movies exciting. And I think one of the best parts of the movie was sort of the five years later portion of the mm-hmm. movie where you kind of got the sense of like dread, like, man, this thing that Thanos did is really setting in and it's impacting the regular people. Like when Captain America was doing that little focus group, I think that's one of the more powerful scenes of the movie. 
So little things like that, I think the world building that they do with these movies is why I like them so much because it's exciting to see how it impacts not just the superheroes, but how it sort of trickles down and affects everyone in this universe. Yeah, and I think Marvel, I mean, for a movie that was three hours long, I honestly didn't feel like it was Fastest three hours. three hours ever. Yeah, yeah it was really, Absolutely. like, I looked at my watch, and it was like an hour 15 and gone by, and that's basically at the point where they really try to do the, the time undoing stuff. The steps. time heist. Yeah, the time <laughs> heist, which is great that, that they just, like, the, the, the pop culture references there where they're going through. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Uh, the only thing that I kind of did you guys have an issue with the fact that it wasn't super explained how Ant-Man got out of the quantum realm I mean that rat was yeah. the MVP of the movie the, the rat the, <laughs> the rat just ran over the button and pressed okay. it. it just shot him right out so that's we, we, we owe everything to that rat yeah. I wasn't sure because I saw that and like I wasn't sure if the machine kicked on on its own or if the rat actually did push it <laughs> I think it was the rat yeah. I think the rat turned huh. it on. when Doctor Strange was talking about 1 in 14 million uh-huh. he knew that rat he knew that rat was coming so I'm thinking like maybe like uh, Ninja Turtles tie in like future <laughs> splinter a little crossover you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Disney's going to own the world at some point so yeah for sure true. <laughs> just bring everything in exactly um so yeah, I mean, from there, then I, I think that it was it was a pretty solid um, way that they set it up because they figured out kind of the plan to undo what Thanos had done. But there was really like when Tony Stark when they show up at his house and they try to get him to figure out the math behind it, mm-hmm. and he just blows them off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that was pretty cool, man. And like you said, Jake, I mean in the comics, I've read them a little bit myself. Um, I mean, in the comics, he's an alcoholic. I don't think he think he does have a kid at some point, but he's really yeah. he's a bad father. Yeah. So like, when you're watching that scene where he has his family, they were spared when so many others were not. Mm-hmm. Like, can you kind of em- empathize with him that you know he's got something and yeah. he doesn't want to risk it? And you know, I think it just it speaks to the kind of the character development that they've contributed to his growth over the past you know 10, 11 years or so. I mean, when we look at Robert Downey Jr., when we look at Tony Stark in Iron Man 1, he is a completely different character in this movie, and it's just kind of attributed to what he's learned and what he's seen. And he realizes that, you know, chances to be decent don't come often, especially in the profession that he's in. And then he kind of realizes that, you know, if this is the best that the world has to offer, then he has to take it with both hands. And, you know, why risk the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. It, it was never the Avengers. It was never putting on the suit. It was never saying, I am Iron Man. It was having his daughter. It was having mm-hmm. his wife and having yeah. his family. And even in kind of the twisted and dystopian world that they live in, it's a it's a perfect world to him. And why would he jeopardize that? I think that's one of the most powerful scenes and quotes there is when Cap says something to him along the lines of like, this is our chance at a second chance. And he says, this is my second chance. I have it and I can't give it up. So Absolutely. Yeah. that's definitely one of the hit you in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did think, though, that Iron Man was a little bit unfair to Captain America the very, a little bit before that, where he kind of blamed Captain America for not being yeah, there. Yeah, when he first got back from yeah, space. Yeah, fighting Thanos. I mean, and that's the thing, too, is I don't know if, if Captain America was ever told about the one in the 14 million. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of glossed over that. Um, you've seen it multiple times, John. Like, have you, like, have you caught on anything there where... Maybe Tony was being a little bit unfair to Captain in that in that scene. Well, when I was watching that scene, I kind of got a little bit of those Civil War vibes mm-hmm. from the 2016 movie. I think that that's one of the good things about this movie we've been talking about. It brings in something from every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah. that Civil War movie, the uh, Cap versus Iron Man scene, 
and all the history there with his father. I think that's pretty heavy stuff, so I think some of that was coming back in in that scene, mm -hmm. and I think that sort of just added to it for me. But also, you know, they just lost the fight of their lives, so it was high stress for everyone, and Tony had just been rescued. So I think that scene made sense to me. Yes, he was tough on Cap, but I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr. played it and acted it very well there, too, to kind of show the emotion of the scene as well. And, you know, it's just a matter of grief projection as well. I mean, mm -hmm. Spider-Man was kind of, Peter Parker was the son that he never had before he had an actual child. And the fact that he yeah. had brought in him here and taken this risk and allowed him to kind of fight with him and he lost him, it was just a matter of kind of... Because that's the first thing he says when he gets off the, the spaceship is that, yeah. Cap, I lost him, I lost the kid. Yeah. 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 And, you know, there's the whole fan theory about how the, the snapping was worse for Spider-Man because he could feel it coming with the spider sense. Oh, I never even thought yeah, about that's that. Yeah, why, that's why he kind of dissipated slower than I the rest of so them. I don't feel so good. Well, yeah, he actually <laughs> felt it coming, the spider yeah. sense. So, like, he actually, like, a lot of people just were gone. Right. But, no, that's the thing is, yeah. like, with Spider-Man, he could feel it. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh. Could have given me emotional in here. <laughs> I know, right? And I think that the movie did a really good job, too. And, you know, in the first hour... Outside of the Thanos fight, which is very, I mean, it's over with. Right. Um, there's not a whole lot of action there in that first hour. Yeah. A lot of it is talking, exposition, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And the comedy is, is kind of hit or miss, but it, they definitely did, I think, a good job with the Hulk. Because the oh, yeah. first time <laughs> you see him, you know, things are grim. Tony had just turned him down. And they're like, okay, we need someone else who's super smart. Well, Bruce Banner... And you're expecting Bruce like we saw him, and instead, it's the Bruce Hulk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when you guys were watching that, and, like, they the, the funny scene where the kids and the selfie. They want the selfie. I then. mean, that's so, like, the now type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys being football players, I mean, like, can you, like, is that something that, that you can kind of see, like, when people come up and they're like, you know, you maybe have a teammate who's kind of the senior leader, a little bit more popular, you guys are there. And everyone's like, oh, you're such and such. And y'all are like, yeah, me we're, too. We're the Ant-Man in that scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Did it hit a little bit close to home there for y'all? Yeah. Just a little I, bit? I, well, I think <laughs> it's That's just, more of a right here, like, I'm the Ant-Man and he's the home. <laughs> so. And, you know, I think it's just kind of indicative of real-world values and real-world issues. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of the trauma that the entire world faced, you know, life goes on. And yeah. people try to still find a way to have fun. And the, that was kind of representative of that very, you know, that very kind of type of thing that we see. Mm -hmm. See, I want to know where they got, like, where the Hulk goes to buy his clothes. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely had those custom made. Yeah, like, got to be hand sewed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wear shirts now. I know, right? It, it's like everything was just, like, cut so perfectly. Yeah. Like, yeah, good job, man. <laughs> so, like, from there, they they get Bruce Banner. They tried to do the, the time thing, a little bit more comedy with Ant-Man mm -hmm. becoming old, young. And then, of course, you know, I, I thought the movie was going to go this way, but were you guys surprised that Stark did end up um, – like figuring out John were you at all like did that come out of left field for you did you kind of think that that's where they were gonna they were gonna go the whole time the whole time travel thing well where Stark actually figured out the math behind it oh yeah well I kind of had a sense that Tony Stark when he first turned them down and the conversation that he had with Pepper like can you rest I had mm -hmm. a sense that Tony was sort of going to rise to the challenge because... It's just going to eat at him. Yeah, and he, he kind of understands what his role is as Iron Man. He sees sort of the bigger picture. That's something that maybe he wouldn't have done in the first movie, in the first Iron Man. But over the years, as he's grown as a character, he sort of understood his larger purpose there. So that was something where, 
him figuring out to he's a genius. That didn't surprise me as much. But you know, he did solve time travel in like forty five minutes yeah. though. So yeah. that was one of my little yeah. issues. But you know, I'm not gonna nitpick here. <laughs> he had computers to help him. <laughs> he's just like casually with like a cup of like a glass of wine or something. Yeah. He's, he's got it. Um, I mean, but you know, that's kind of where I mean, it, at the at the core though, it still is a superhero movie. I mean, they're not. You know, they they made light of the whole. But what happens if we go back in time and interact with ourselves and mm-hmm. stuff like that? And there is some science to that, but. Yeah. This is not Big Bang Theory. <laughs> We're not going to the movies to hear them actually explain realistic time travel. It's yeah. like, no, how are you guys going to solve this? I think it was interesting how they kind of put all of the time travel that we've been told about through other movies and other co- pop culture to the side and said, no, that's wrong. Yeah. But yeah. then, like, at the same point, we just kind of had to, like, be like, okay, we trust you. Like, this works. Yeah, Sounds sure. good to us. Yeah. You didn't have to think too hard about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Captain America fights Captain America. That doesn't change anything. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess we we can just jump to there then because, you know, Tony Stark shows mm-hmm. up. They figure out that, yes, we can do this. They make the plan. Um, and, again, that's that's like, what, maybe an hour and a half into the into the film? For sure. Um, from there, you know, where were you guys thinking, you know, when they do divide up, up the teams – I guess there's um, Jeremy Renner does the test run, which yeah. I thought was a pretty emotional thing as mm-hmm. well. Definitely. Um, so when they're starting it off, you know, what's your guys' mindset kind of watching this and kind of anticipating what's going to happen when they go after these stones? Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of highlights the tremendous job that the Russo brothers and, you know, Kevin Feige and kind of Marvel has done with mm-hmm. the whole production is that while many people think that they know how this movie was going to go down before it came and in reality we don't know and you know the fact that they can keep an audience who's been so heavily invested on you know reddit and different theories and trying to figure it all out and still keep them invested in kind of their way of telling the story and keep them on their toes it kind of speaks highly of how they've kind of handled everything yeah i thought it was brilliant to take us because of like we've talked about so many times this is the 23rd movie in the universe to Mm -hmm. take us back to these significant moments through previous movies and be able to see them from different angles. I, I thought that was incredible. Yeah. The, the Battle of New York, going back to, yeah. out of all the movies, I did not expect to go back to Thor 2, which is questionably one of the <laughs> one of the worst. Oh, it was bad. But, uh, and then like we get to see um, even further back in the 1970s with the, the Tony mm-hmm. Stark scene. That was awesome too. I forgot. Uh, let me get each of y'all's thoughts. Fat Thor, <laughs> like winner of the movie, or did it get played out a little bit too much? John, what do you think? I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious that he was playing Fortnite too. I thought that was funny. Korg is my favorite there. character. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I wish it, it, by the time he gets to the end battle, I wish he sort of returned to like full on Thor. I, I feel that. So I agree. Hilarious at first. Yeah. Funny for a time, and then I was fully expecting when at the end battle when he like summons the lightning and gets struck and his beard gets braided. I yeah. thought he was going to return to yeah. return to form, and, but you know, uh, unfortunately actually, not. And I actually didn't really have a problem with that, you know, because I think as as grandiose and as, you know, exciting and kind of otherworldly as these films have been, in, mm-hmm. in reality, they're grounded in reality, you know, and like everything kind of has a real moment, like, you know, um, alluding back to what you said about um, the focus group. I mean, that's about as real as you can get, especially mm-hmm. in a superhero movie. I mean, it speaks volumes of how they've done it. And, you know, if he would have just, you know, said, if he would have just struck lightning down and he would have gotten six-pack, then that would have kind of, you know, like, that would have <laughs> yeah. been like, okay, like, come on. Like, why but didn't the fa- you do that an hour ago? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the fact is, like, you know, 
they're still trying to ground themselves in reality. And mm-hmm. th- this is him suffering with the consequences of his actions and suffering with a tremendous guilt. And the fact is that he still has a lot to kind of move on from that. And, you know, him just kind of having a deus ex machina and resolving everything perfectly knit wouldn't really serve any purpose. I will say that I was glad that there wasn't like some sort of Thor training montage where we saw him (laughs) shed the pounds. Like either it had to happen magically or not at all. So see, I actually liked fat Thor. I thought it was really funny that they just kept it going the entire time. Big Lebowski. (laughs) (laughs) Even the final fight, like he's got like the Thor out there. I mean, he looks, he could still swing the hammer though. So, you know, he looks more, he looks more like the Nordic Thor, like the real Thor of the kind of Norse mythology. So, Exactly. No. Yeah, six packs weren't really round back then. <laughs> no one needed to do crunches. It was more just like, how do I survive? Yeah. Um, but so yeah, they do the uh, the the time travel. Um, everything goes largely according to plan, except in New York. There's the mess up, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cool how everyone saw that that film back when it came out. I think in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this was kind of like almost the behind the scenes where like the cleanup crew comes in. Right. Yeah. They don't show us that. They just show the fighting yeah. and the, the people come in and they try to do that heist and the Hulk messes it up. I thought it was actually really funny. The part where um, Ant-Man and, and Iron Man, you know, it was okay. Uh, the, the Hulk busting down mm-hmm. was kind of funny. I actually really like the Captain America when he's in the elevator. Yeah. yeah. How he gets the staff. And the way that they did that was so the cool. Making you think, like, he gets into the elevator and everybody thinks that it's going to be like the scene from Winter Soldier, which mm-hmm. is one of the most iconic fight scenes in the whole universe. But then the way that they just completely, like, subvert all of your expectations there. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. It was really well done. Just like with, with one line, Hail Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> he walks out with it. It was so great. Um, the whole America's ass thing. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious. Mean, like, <laughs> Ant-Man, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever Ant-Man, Ant-Man's that. one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Everybody, everybody sleeps yeah. on him. He's underrated, but he's definitely the funniest character. Him and Thor are up there. Oh, yeah. No, he does a great job. Yeah, um, sure. In this movie, too, like, he's just, I mean, they really... His films have always been kind of just more like whimsical, right? And they're um, kind of their own like standalone kind. They're thing very separated. self-contained, yeah. And I think this is what's really gonna. I don't know what they have in the future for him, but this does kind of set set Ant Man up to be more of a serious player mm-hmm. in these things moving forward. Because even at the very beginning, you know, when he pulls up to the gate. Black Widow and Captain America are kind of like, we think we recognize this guy. He has to tell them, hey, I met you guys in, at the, at the at airport. The airport. <laughs> uh, I grew really tall. They're like, okay, no, now we know you. Um, you know, his his role in all this was really cool. And I the only thing that I did have a little bit of a nitpick with is when they said they only had enough pen particles for everyone to, to do the same thing. My first thought was, well, yeah, just go back in time, grab a ton of pen particles, yeah, yeah, and, just and be then fine. come back. Yeah. <laughs> I saw another thing with that that when Nebula used fake Nebula, I guess, old 2014 Nebula wow. uses it to come back, and then she just uses their quantum machine or whatever it's called to pull Thanos and the rest of the ship back mm-hmm. from time. So then they could have had one person come back and then just pull everybody else back, I guess. But, you know, I th- we might be thinking too much there. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, though, it was really cool. The um, Seeing the... Uh, the old Sorcerer Supreme, whose name escapes me. How did you like seeing her her pop back in the movie? John? I believe the ancient one. Ancient yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Tilda Swinton's yeah. character. Yeah. Just really cool. I thought that was such a good scene. 
and it was a perfect nod to the Doctor Strange movie, but also was a great expo like we got a little bit of an explanation there with mm -hmm. the six the infinity timeline. stones, yeah, create the time, it's the string of time. And those little moments there where they helped explain it. It was brief and it wasn't overdone, like they didn't need to go full midichlorians and like explain it all the way. <laughs> but they just gave us a little nod and I kinda was like, Alright, so here's what's going on and I thought that was a really good example of sort of helping us understand the movie without being too heavy with it and sort of painting it with too heavy of a stroke. I also thought that, like we were talking about the kind of behind the scenes look of the Battle of New York from the original Avengers, that like you kind of have these thoughts where it's like, oh wait, so now we know that Doctor Strange was in New York, but yeah. they weren't helping out, but you actually do see her up there just doing her thing on the roof and fighting back yeah. too, and it's kind of a, a good way to see that everything is interconnected. And then uh, we'll talk about Hawkeye and Black Widow in, in a second. Oh, the other, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> the other one was um, Star-Lord. And, you know, he's not in this film a whole lot. Yeah. He has his moments at the very, very end, For sure. which were funny. But I thought it was it was very cool how it, they go back to the opening of the, of the Guardians. Right. You know, and you hear the music overplay. And yeah. in his mind, he's all he's cool jamming. doing it. <laughs> it's just and it's from the outside. So he is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> they just clothesline him and yeah. take it so easily. Uh, but, like, I really like how, again, like it's it's all about perspective and perception. For sure. Because for him, yeah, like, and for even the audience, it was really cool watching that. And you're like, oh, these are some old 70s, um, like some, some 70s tunes. I'm going to like this. But then you realize, okay, you can be in your world, but from the outside, you can be just a total nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's stuff, I don't know, the whole Nebula thing, kind of, I, I don't know, like, it, I really had to, to suspend, like, the, the disbelief that no one thought about two Nebulas and the whole, like, Especially connection. since she's, like, part robot and has to be on, like, a software or whatever. Yeah, like, you would think that someone would have, like, especially, like, Stark would have considered, hey, you're a network machine, let's not put you back in time where you can sync up with your other network. Yeah. She didn't even mention that, though, until she was back. I think she mentioned it to War Machine once they were already there, that I'm not the, or we're not the only ones looking for the stones in 2014. My father, myself, and Gamora are, too. So it's like, Nebula, you could have mentioned that a little earlier. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe help us out. Yeah, for sure. A little helpful there. What would you guys think about, about that plot line, though, where they're going after the Power Stone and the... Um, Soul Stone. Soul Stone. So I, I'll, let, I'll let Jake handle the Soul Stone part. <laughs> All right, that, let's hear it, Jake. That's the, the Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah, um, so we talked about it a little bit, and I let me preface this by saying I love this movie, and I think it's fantastic. But mm -hmm. this was the biggest problem I had with the entire film, and it's probably the biggest problem I've had with the entire MCU. I love Infinity War, and I think I sh I'll have to watch Endgame again, but I think Infinity War is better at this point mm -hmm. just in terms of a, a film. And... The most powerful scene to me is when Thanos kills Gamora on Vormir. And the reason it's so powerful is because this guy's a genocidal maniac and you feel nothing but despair and kind of pure empathy for his decision. And that's because of the excellent writing, that's because of the tremendous character development and making him a multifaceted villain. And you begin to realize that Vormir is a sacred place and it's not about just, you know, a, a general yeah, sacrifice. It's not about just, yeah. you know, sacrificing whatever. It's about sacrificing, and you you have to be the one that does it. Mm -hmm. Sacrificing everything for something that, you know, may not, may not even work out right. And them going in there and literally playing a game of chicken to see, like, who would jump off first completely subverted the seriousness and the impact of, that you, that planet had. You've got to think that Hawkeye is a married man with children, so 
the thing that would mean the most to him would Ari's probably children. be one of them, yeah. not <laughs> not Natasha, not Black Widow. So, like, it would have been a shame if she jumped off and he's like, oh, sorry, I can't give you the stone. That wasn't what mattered most. And so. it, it just it came across as really comical to me and kind of really, like, lazy. You know, it's because if you're going to go back to that planet, you have to go back with the, the same care and the same kind of seriousness that you went with in Infinity War. And the fact that you go back and you just kind of subvert everything that you've built there, um, I really had a problem with. We had mentioned that maybe if it had been, like, if you sent Hawkeye to New York and he swipped, sw- swapped with Hulk. Mm-hmm. If you sent Hulk mm-hmm. and Natasha, because they had more of a chemistry, they, they they had that history together, that maybe if it was Hulk that was sacrificing Black Widow instead, that that could have been more significant. Yeah, I would actually say Captain America and Black Widow. Yeah, that yeah. could be too. That would that would kind of be my two pairing. I was going to say, uh, yeah, what you were saying, Jake, I agree with it. And they kind of changed the rules a little bit because yeah. Red Skeleton... Instead of saying you must sacrifice what you love the most, he just says a soul for a soul. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, when he said that, I was like, if it's a soul for a soul, why don't they just push Red Skelton over there? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thanos could have brought somebody else. Yeah. Like, yeah. And to your point, I think in the Infinity War movie, those tears aren't for you, I think is one of the most powerful Amazing. in the whole movie. Amazing. Yeah. And we just didn't get that same uh, emotional moment in this Endgame movie with that. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I kind of see the connection between Hawkeye and Black Widow. It's something they've been partners for a long time. There's Since always Budapest. That, yeah, the Budapest <laughs> thing. So maybe that's something next the next movie we get with the Black Widow yeah. um, kind of Hawkeye team up. That scene will get more value added onto it. But I definitely agree with your point. I think it's a, a very fair point. And then the reality stone, I mean, that was just pure comic relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get the tender moment between Thor and his mom, though, which yeah. is yeah. some really good closure since he, he never, never really got, got that goodbye. chance. Yeah. I did like that, and, and I liked too how she was kind of like she was. She straight up knew who he was. Like I he, grew up with witches. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he tried to play it off. No, no, no. Yeah. And at the end, you know, he tries to say, "Well, you're going to die today," and his mother is just completely accepting of the fate, which I don't know in that reality because Loki rather see didn't. How did the mom get killed? It was when the elves their ship came in to steal right. the reality yeah. stone from Jane and. I believe it was in the crash that she died. But see, now that technically, I guess, if they're in that same, I don't know, the the time thing is weird, but since Loki disappears from New York with one of the Tesseracts, I wonder... Is he still there? They're doing a a show on Disney Plus with Loki, so maybe that could be some kind of, unless it's a prequel show, but that could be some kind of tie-in as to how he's alive for that, maybe. Well, yeah, and that was interesting because I think a lot of people thought from the last year's Avengers movie that Loki was not going to die. But I guess he really is dead. Everyone that that was pre-Snap is pretty much a goner, I guess. Yeah. It was like Vision, who was done, like all all those people, like Loki, Heimdall, Vision, all the ones that weren't in the Snap weren't able to be brought back. Let me ask you guys this. When you were thinking about, like, the teams that they sent... Um, two notable e- exceptions from that were Valkyrie, who was setting up New Asgard, and the woman who was in charge of Wakanda. Wow, God, I okay, yeah. the character's mm-hmm. name. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, would you guys think that those two could have been invited? Should they have tried to bring in some more people, like, for that we've seen their kind of ancillary? Like, what was y'all thoughts on that? Or did you like the fact that it was kind of more contained I as think it was? One of the, I mean, obviously you had the exceptions with like rocket or nebula but for the most part the first two-thirds were about the core six Mm -hmm. the the original avengers and like you said that there wasn't a ton of action at the beginning and i think that worked really well because 
it was at the core of this universe is the original Avengers and their relationships between each other. And so that's what you really got to focus on for for the first two thirds of the movie. I completely agree with that. What did you think about that, John? Yeah, I think the it's sort of it's still an Avengers movie, I think, and mm-hmm. some of those ancillary characters. It's really cool to see them show up at the end, but we are most uh, emotionally invested in sort of the core six, like you said. So I didn't mind their exclusion, especially since this is the finale of this era of it. Yeah, yeah. that you're gonna you get to see everybody in Infinity War, but when it comes down to it, it's about these ones, especially the ones that aren't gonna be moving forward anymore. Well, and I think they said that the Spider-Man movie coming out of the summer, Far From Home, is going to be the official end right. of the phase. Yeah. But, I mean, I think for most people, they'll consider this to be. And it's going to be inter- interesting to see if the Spider-Man film is post-Endgame. I've heard something free. that it's going to be before Infinity War, maybe. Like, really? Which, I can see it. Yeah. Hmm. I-, I saw one theory. Jake mentioned Reddit earlier. That's me, like, scanning everything. <laughs> but um, it was saying that they they think that at the end of their trip abroad that happens in Far From Home, they'll be coming back on the bus and that that's when Peter Parker will see the first invasion that happens in Infinity oh. War and that could maybe, like, sync up the timeline. That'd be an interesting way to and do And because if you, also if you do it post-Endgame, then it has to take place in 2023, yeah. which is another thing to think about since yeah. it was five years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Marvel, I mean, they're really good at surprising people, even yeah. though the, the actor who plays Spider-Man apparently is just terrible. At <laughs> Tom <secrets>. Holland <laughs> lets <Yeah>. everything go. <laughs> they, I think he said at one point they just gave him like a completely fake script. He didn't like, He didn't know what was happening. <laughs> he yeah. just shot his scenes and that's it. That was actually something um, my wife saw a few interviews, and we'll get back to maybe here in a second, but you know, with the end game, because they were so secretive about this thing, a lot of those scenes, even when they're in like a room like we are here, it's actually they're acting by themselves, mm-hmm. and then they would splice it in. So I think that shows, you know, back in the day, again, doing superhero movies was kind of like a B-roll. Like, you didn't want to be Superman, necessarily. You could get a decent payday, but it really really wasn't going to be like a career thing. But mm-hmm. now, I mean, it's tough to act, period. And to, to try to get the emotional response when you're in a room like by yourself Mm -hmm. i don't know like to me that just shows that this movie really took a lot of effort just from everybody to make it seem as seamless as it did that that's one of the things that jake and i talk about quite a bit because we talk about superhero movies a lot and the kind of the stigma around them that Mm -hmm. a superhero movie and a good movie are mutually exclusive things that it's like we talk about the dark knight all the time that it's like that that was not just a good superhero superhero movie, but it was a good movie. Yeah. End of sentence. Like, it, it's just something to think about that this is more than just a superhero movie, but a quality film. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when you're acting too, and you see the behind the scenes, and it's like instead of you're acting with Thanos, you have to remember they're like acting with. Uh, the actor's name escapes me. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, but he's just like wearing a little popsicle stick with a Thanos head <laughs> at the top, and it's like you have this to build. This is where you're supposed to look. Yeah, you yeah. have to build these scenes, and they are not even really there. But when we're watching it, it's like we're fully immersed. So that just gives even more credit to Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and all these actors for creating mm-hmm. this world for us that we can feel like they live, we live in, even though they're not actually in it. And I think to both your points, you know, what's really interesting and hopefully should change in the future is that, like you said, a good superhero movie and a good movie are things that are kind of considered 
like at least to the highbrow community, things that should be separate. Mm -hmm. But I think it's kind of shameful to say that, you know, it was good for a superhero movie. Well, you know, that's not true. It's a good movie. Logan is one of probably arguably one of the best westerns of all time. Mm -hmm. Dark Knight is my favorite film and arguably one of the best crime drama films of all time. And, you know, making these groundbreaking films and Days of the Future Past is the greatest time travel movie of all time in my mind as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the fact that you can kind of have all these different things that they kind of enter so many different genres, they're more than just, you know, can be contained into one separate kind of category of a superhero movie. They reach so many different people. They bring up so many different thematic elements that need to be discussed and they deserve credit as being good films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Back to the movie then, I think, where we left off... um the Iron Man and Captain America going back to 1970 to get the Tesseract and the Pym Particles. The whole point of that, really, to me, was just to get Tony Stark talking to his dad. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really cool scene where um, Tony uses Potts as his last name. Uh, Cool little nod there. And just the interactions between him and his dad, because I think you guys mentioned earlier that, you know, you don't, uh, several characters did not get to say their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And Tony never got to say goodbye to his dad because we know that Bucky takes him out. Mm-hmm. So I think for this, that would have been a really tough scene for Iron Man, who just had a kid of his own, to see his dad and kind of get to relive, hey, I have a few hours with this guy who I really didn't know a whole, whole lot, yeah. especially not as an adult. You know, what did you guys see about that as far as his character development? And did, did, do you think that Robert Downey Jr. did a good job kind of delivering the, hey, I know what it takes to be a dad now? Right. I think the best part, like that whole scene was phenomenal, but the best part of it was at the end when he's talking about his dad and he says, my old man passed along some pearls back in the day. And mm-hmm. it's the, he asked him what it is. And it's no amount of money ever bought a second of time. And going back to what Jake has said about old Iron Man, like he was all about his millionaire playboy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But now, especially now that he's focused on Pepper and Morgan, his daughter, um, he realizes that what's important is being now with the people around you, uh, getting the second chance with his dad, getting more time with his father, that that's something that money can't buy. And I think Robert Downey Jr. is the best actor in this entire film. And I'm sure it was written that way because he is the catalyst for kind of the Marvel, you know, revolution that we've seen. And I th- that was my favorite scene in the entire film just because of kind of how emotionally invoking it was. And, you know, the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is operating at its best throughout the entire film and then he gets to kind of be someone different, be someone kind of more human and more emotional is what we've all wanted to see and we've never really got to see a full look. And now we finally get to see his character completely fessed out, completely kind of in control of, you know, his emotional complexity. And it was very cool to see. I did think, though, at the end that he was going to say, Name your kid Tony. I really thought <laughs> what that was that. It was some like weird that. Italian name that he yeah. said. So, he's like, we got some time. Think on that yeah. one. <laughs> um, and then you know, at the end, they get the stones back. They figure out that Natasha's not there. There's the kind of cool scene where everyone gets to mourn her, and then that sets up the final 45 minutes of the movie, which is the scene everyone wants to see: the fights. Yeah. Thanos arrives, and. Even a, I think this was really cool because we really only saw Thanos truly fight fight in Infinity War when he takes on the Hulk. But he already has the Power Stone yeah. and he just he beats the Hulk down. Mm-hmm. Here we see him taking on an out of shape Thor, uh, Captain America, and, um, and and Iron Man. 
And, you know, Thor holds his own. I was a little bit surprised by that. What was your take on that, John, when you kind of see, when you get to see um, Thanos as a real fighter there? Yeah, well, just even more broadly, those last 45 minutes for me are just amazing. I think all Mm -hmm. of it's really good. I really enjoyed seeing, like, the three biggest, three biggest Avengers, Thor, Cap, and Iron Man sort of taking on Thanos on their own. I thought that was a really cool scene. And then sort of as the battle continues to grow, which we'll talk about, I think it just got more and more exciting. I think it really gave you a sense of, yes, Thanos is a great fighter, but also sort of the stakes felt really real in this battle to me. There was I saw something online about how this end battle was just like all the other Marvel end battles because it felt like, oh, there's no, there's no stakes to this battle. But for me, I really felt like if Thanos got the chance to snap again and he was going to end everything this time, I thought, you know, that's humongous stakes. So I really felt the stakes of this battle, and I felt sort of our heroes sort of fighting through it. It was a really uh, powerful fight scene and really cool to watch. And, and especially it, yeah, especially with that, like, no, the, the stakes, like, knowing that this is the closing chapter of, of the era, knowing that Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., knowing these characters that are no longer going to have a contract, that their contract is up. So you don't know some way or another they're not going to be in the next one, whether it's a death or a retirement or anything like that. Like, that's some stakes right there that at any moment they could go down. And, you know, I think um, I, I loved the battle as well. I thought it was phenomenal. And But I did kind of have a, what, what I thought was, was a missed opportunity. I mean, the reason why Infinity War was so great, the reason why Silence of the Lambs is so great, the reason why Die Hard is so great, Dark Knight, whatever it may be, is because the villains are so strong. Mm-hmm. And the villains are so kind of complex and they're so kind of, you know, compelling characters. And Thanos is the most compelling villain in the MCU because of how they brought him up in Infinity War. And what kind of bugged me a little bit is that they just completely did away with that in this movie and just made him a one-dimensional villain. And he really became Ronan from the first Guardians, a super powerful guy with nothing else to offer offer but his power. And, you know, because the thing is is that we know what to expect from Thanos now. So they could have just further continued that instead of kind of abandoning his character. But also sort of to that, I think one element there is that it's sort of 2014 Thanos. Yeah. So he's sort of gone back in time, and he hasn't had sort of this emotional journey to get all the stones. Because I think one of the big character developments for Thanos is that scene um, where he's getting the soul stone. He has to sacrifice Gamora. I think for Thanos himself, that's a big moment for him. And he sort of gains an emotional depth that we sort of see in Infinity War. And in Endgame itself, this is 2014 Thanos, pre all that. So to me, it sort of made sense. At the end of the day, he's still sort of the mad titan. And I think we saw some more of that side of things. While Infinity War gave us sort of a different side, a very empathetic villain, I like seeing this sort of, uh, his goal was to end everything sort of here. And I sort of understood that character choice, knowing that it was sort of 2014 Thanos. And also, 2014 Thanos saw that the Avengers in the future chopped his head off. Mm -hmm. And so he's not about... 50% 50% anymore. He just needs to get rid of all of these guys. Yeah. Well, look, during that fight, you know, going into this, I kind of thought that Captain America and Iron Man were going to either die, retire, or what. Yeah. So during that fight, did you guys think that one of the three was just going to go ahead and meet their end right then and there? Or did you think that all three were going to fight it out until the cavalry arose? I I definitely thought there were stakes, like I said, there were stakes, and I was on the edge of my seat, but I had a good hunch that they were at least going to reunite first. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, during the course of the battle, I was sort of so consumed with everything that was happening on screen, I sort of forgot about all that. Like, I even <laughs> was surprised when Captain Marvel showed up. I was like, who, who's... That, who's Cap- that's oh, one of the things we'll that we talked that. about, is that, like, with because before the, the three of them fight Thanos, we get Hulk snapping the gauntlet to bring everyone back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then because this fight is so... You invest in it so much, and, and it's so intense, you forget... Completely that forget. You forget yeah. that that snap even happened. Mm-hmm. And then when you do hear the cap, it's Sam on your left. Yeah. And everybody does come back. Like, you had forgotten that was even a possibility. Well, we also kind of, you know, have glossed over the fact that Captain wields Mulliner. Yeah. And yeah. that was such a cool scene, which, you know, it was kind of alluded to in the very first Avengers movie where Captain makes it shake a little bit. There's yeah. a little nudge. And here you see him actually use it. I knew it. Yeah. I mean, that was just, that was such a cool combination to see Captain use the hammer. Did you guys see that coming at all? I know, Jake, you probably did since that, that's a theme in the comic books, right? Where mm. Captain does wield the hammer yeah, at some point. Yeah, he has done it occasionally. So I was okay. assuming that once I saw Mjolnir back and then I was assuming that maybe that would come into play. I wasn't really expecting it, but it was a pleasant surprise all the same. And it was very cool to see. I had no idea. I mean, I, once it happened, I recognized the callback, uh-huh. but I, I didn't expect that. I thought Thor was just going to be going double-fisting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dual-wield. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was actually kind of very surprised though, that even with Captain using the hammer, I mean, they still got overwhelmed until, like you said, um, he hears Sam's voice come through his earpiece. And then from there, I read this um, article on The Ringer. And, you know, from a comic book fan... Jake, when you're looking at uh, comic books, apparently it's a pretty common technique that what they do is you have kind of the centerfold, which is the big two-page color thing, which is kind of the culmination. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that movie, the scene where the portals open up, you see all of the heroes come back. I mean, that's... That's seriously probably my top I got... I had a single tear there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, just... I mean, what was y'all's emotions seeing yeah. that? Where it really is that centerfold on a on a movie screen. You know, I think for me, um, growing up and kind of reading these comics, I was always more invested in DC. But I, I still love the Marvel characters because they they were completely different. But um, speaking of DC, there's a tremendously kind of you know famous graphic novel um, called Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was drawn up, illustrated by Alex Ross, who is one of the premier comic book artists of all time, and he does a, an amazing kind of centerfold piece where the and you know seeing that happen on a screen, even though it's not the DC characters, it was it kind of re- it kind of you know brought me back to a moment when I first saw that, mm-hmm. and you know the fact that you know this is a this is grounded in reality. These characters are real; they are complex, but it is still a fantastic superhero movie. And we came here to see this, so I. The first time I saw it, I, I didn't have any tears. But I was just, like, too invested in it. It was too exciting. Second time, I don't know if it was because it was an IMAX, because that made it even better. Uh-huh. But just it was overwhelming the seeing all of these people and really realizing how massive the 23 movie saga is. Yeah. And it's every single piece of it coming together perfectly. John, three viewings has it, like, do you... 
Do you, you still just, get the chills? Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my rule with these things. If I stop getting chills, I'll stop going. But three showing strong, keep getting chills every time, and it's that scene that does it for me. Wins number four. When are you seeing oh, it again? It might be tomorrow. <laughs> friend, other friends have to see it with see it with me. But that scene in particular, it's just so cool to see everyone yeah. come back, and it's one of those things where. It's surprising to me. I was kind of like, all right, I've forgotten that the snap had happened, like you said. I've forgotten that they were coming back. So to sort of be surprised by that and to see the scope of it, just mm -hmm. all the armies coming through. And I forget what exactly what Wong said, but he was like something about like... You wanted me to bring more? Yeah. yeah. But just That was well, just such a cool scene. I'm not a big like movie clapper or like movie applause, mm -hmm. but like that was like you were at a sporting event. Like, yeah every new hole that opened like somebody else was like hooting yeah. and hollering like yeah. like spider-man swings through black panther steps through it was just it was electric yeah. the only thing that i thought was weird i was honestly expecting the nova Corps to show up and they didn't and i don't know if they're saving them for like future movies yeah. maybe i think thanos blew up nova so they allude to it but yeah. then i i'm assuming the nova Corps is still around at yeah. some point though I was just surprised. Have, like, good old John C. Riley come back. In. Yeah, that was the only thing to me that I was like, oh, I wonder if they're, they're going to bring bring these guys. But uh -huh. I mean, it most it looked like it was mostly Wakanda, Asgard, and the sorcerers. Yeah, yeah the sorcerers. Yeah. And to see Valkyrie come mm -hmm. through that was on the Pegasus. Cool. Yeah. yeah, to have like a flying horse in there, just sort of just riding around. That was really oh, yeah. cool. Added to the battle for yeah. sure. And so the battle goes, I mean, it's awesome. I need to see it again, so I can probably just, so I, yeah. like, I, I really just want to see, like, the last 45. Like, that's that's what I want. Right. Um, to use the phrase, I mean, just, like, inject that into my veins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was so cool. Inject it into my veins, the scene when all of the female characters get together. We've got mm -hmm. Pepper in the Iron, Ma Iron Woman suit, mm -hmm. and we've got Okoye and... Uh, all, all of the other women, like not not Black Widow anymore, R.I.P. But <laughs> Scarlet Witch, uh, uh -huh. Shuri, everybody else just the wasp. getting together. Cat, yeah. yeah, the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and it. You know, they said because Captain Marvel had just picked up the gauntlet from Spider Man, and he was like, "How are you going to get through all these?" And they're like, "She'll have help." I don't know if Captain Marvel needed the help. I appreciated yeah. the the good picture there, but yeah. she just kind of zipped right through there on her own. When they were carrying the gauntlet, I was thinking, they, this is like a football play. They need to run the option here. And they <laughs> get, some, get a little razzle-dazzle yeah. lateral. Uh, like the whole, I mean, just the way that they choreographed that, though, was really cool. Everyone got kind of their um, right. their brief, brief, brief show. For sure. Um, I wish that they had done a little bit more with Doctor Strange. I think they saw him take out, like, one group of enemies. He was holding off the water for most of the time, got stuck yeah. with that job. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed there. Um, trying to think, was there anyone else that you guys felt like you wanted to see more of during I'm that I'm a big M'Baku fan. You get, from, from Black Panther, you barely get to see him. It's like, when it's the side profile of the two armies, like, colliding, you see him, but that's about it. I mean, I know he's not even a secondary, probably like a tertiary character, but I would have liked to see him. Jake? I would have liked to see Dr. Strange. I agree with you. I think he's awesome. So yeah. yeah. John? For me, that was one of my things with Infinity War as well. I wish they would just do like a little bit longer, 10 minutes just mowing down people because it's just so exciting <laughs> to watch them sort of. The best part is seeing them interact with each other and use their powers with each other. So so Infinity War, it was sort of Groot holding up Rocket and them spinning around. Or I think it was Bucky that held up Rocket yeah. and yeah. spinning around. Little things like that, those are the moments that you uh, just – 
when you see him on screen, it's so cool. So I would love to see a little bit more of that. It was so hectic with so many characters, but still so cool to watch it unfold. I do think it was cool how Black Widow kind of took it to Thanos because back in... Scarlet Witch. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, Scarlet Witch. Thank you. Yeah. Um, again, R.I.P. <laughs> uh, but Scarlet Witch, because back in the Age of Ultron movie, you know, they're very concerned about her powers. And I she felt, ended up being like the MVP of Infinity War once she got out on the battlefield. But with Infinity War, though, I felt that at the very beginning when she and the um, Hurt Vision, Vision. Vision, like, get their butts kicked by those two elf-looking things. Yeah, the, the children of Thanos. And one of them just gets killed by um, Akoe, I think, in this one. She just, yeah. like, stabs I did. I didn't recognize yeah. that. Oh, yeah, just, like, done like that. I was like... Wow, but like to take the Scarlet Witch character, which I actually think in the comics she's incredibly powerful. Um, she's the daughter of Magneto. Yeah, which I, you know, for everyone listening, again, Disney owns the world. We'll see. That's going to be interesting since we have currently like a two quicks. Well, I guess Marvel Quicksilver died, but yeah. the other Quicksilver that's in the X Men movies and then Still alive. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I thought that was really cool to, to see that character, and then when. Captain Marvel does show up. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to do an entrance, at least make it big, right? Mm-hmm. So just fly through the entire yeah. spaceship. <laughs> I think they did a good job with that because in Captain Marvel, we saw that she is probably like the most, not even probably, definitely the best, most powerful superhero of the group. Mm-hmm. And so if she had been there the entire time, it wouldn't have been fair. So they had a good job of sending her away and then having her come in and save the day at the end. And then her one-on-one versus Thanos. What was your take on that, Jake? That was awesome. Um, he he actually, I think he grew stronger as the movie kind of went along. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the angrier Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. It was kind of like the same with Thanos. Like, the more he got beat up, there's kind of the stronger that he got. And yeah. um, it looked like she had him on the ropes, but he just did that awesome moment where he kind of took the power stone <laughs> out and used it, and I thought that was really cool. I just like how Thanos does the headbutt against her yeah. and, like, just... Just no reaction. Yeah, nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did think it was, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but during that scene where you think Thanos is going to do the snap and she overrides it, and back in Infinity War, you know, there was that really cool scene Lapia talked about where Thanos has a gauntlet and Captain America's holding it with his two hands right. and he can't, he can't do anything. He's barely holding on. And in this movie, you see kind of Captain Marvel in the same situation. She's holding it back, but this time she's holding it with one hand, and she just pushes it back. Did y'all pick up on that, that that was kind of a mirror image of that earlier scene? Yeah, I definitely appreciated that. And like Jake said, that that was like an awesome move by him to counter that by pulling the stone out, putting it in the other hand, and just... Knocking her out. Did the old Arya Stark switch a room? <laughs> oh, Game of Thrones spoilers. <laughs> we won't talk about that. We, we've done enough spoilers already in this one. Although, everyone watch Game of Thrones too. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And then, yeah, from there, I mean, Iron Man comes through in, in the clutch. He uses the, I guess, the, the nanotech, gets his hand on Thanos' hand. That's how I interpreted it anyways. Did you guys, I mean, I, th- I thought that was kind of what they were alluding to, right? Yeah, the old switcheroo when he slid the stones out. I didn't really need too much explanation with, with that. I, I mean, I, I was just willing to roll with it at that point. Yeah. And then he uses the stones, and I think it's it's so cool that the final full line we hear is, I'm Iron Man. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you guys were in the writing room, like, when, when I guess when they were going through that, is that how y'all would have had Iron Man go out as kind of 
just like that, I am Iron Man, then he does the snap? Or do you guys think that could have thought of a different I'm, way? Yeah, and I mean, at its at this movie's core, it's, a, it's Robert Downey Jr.'s swan song. You know, mm-hmm. it's, his, it's his final, it's his last ride, it's his last rodeo. Give everything to him. You know, he's helped create this probably more than anyone. Um, he's one of the most dynamic actors that you have in your arsenal, and he's one of the most interesting characters that you have in the MCU. So kind of, you know, ending it how it started, you know, part of the journey is the end. And, you know, kind of ending it that way was perfect. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he says, I am inedible, I am inedible and then he says, I am Iron Man, it's just amazing. Yeah. What about you, John? Yeah, I thought it was a perfect ending for Iron Man. We've talked about sort of his growth from Iron Man, the original movie, but he's been in so many of these different films. We've seen him grow. There's been ups and there's been downs. I thought this was sort of the perfect way to end it with him. And it was definitely emotional, too. I thought the, the filmmakers did a really good job with it. And then from there, they kind of just, we, we get the, the wrap-up final 10, Get the emotional uh, moment, the, the reverse moment with Spider-Man, oh, yeah. where yeah. instead of Tony comforting him, it's him trying to comfort Tony. And then I thought that the funeral scene was actually really cool, how they... The one shot. Just, yeah. yeah, however they did that with the camera, where they just went from group to group mm-hmm. to group. So I actually, let me ask y'all some trivia. The kid in the very back... I had to look it up. Okay, so you already looked it up. Did you know who it was without looking it up? I, I had to look it up, too, yeah. Jake? I had to look it up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, did I was like, who is this kid? <laughs> I, I didn't know if they were like... I was like, is that supposed to be Spider-Man? And he yeah. just had like a crazy growth spurt. <laughs> or like, and he did his hair differently. Yeah. Um, I, 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 but when you do look it up, though, it is cool how you figure out that that's the kid from, from Iron, Iron Man, Man 3. 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he was invited to the to the funeral. Because he, he was the one that helped get Tony back on his feet and rebuild yeah. the suit and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe there could be some kind of nod there that he could be picking up the mantle or something. So that's a theory that I've seen floating around, is that that's why they put that kid in there, so people can see that. Because especially since he hadn't been in any other movie since then. Yeah, exactly. So there's the funeral scene, and then we get the final bit of pure comedy where you get Thor, Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy. Dear God, I hope that that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 (laughs) is just that. Like, I want to see more. Um, You have Chris Pine and... um, Chris Evans. No, it's not Chris Pond. Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, the whole who's in charge. I love yeah. it. Uh, when you guys are looking forward to that movie, is that something that, that has gotten y'all kind of more pumped up now seeing those two play it off and kind of that, that power struggle that is inevitable? Yeah, I think now that he is Fat Thor, he definitely fits in more <laughs> with the, the, Guardians. the Guardians theme and the kind of Thor. humor that they have. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was one of the funniest lines when he's just mouthing, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Just going back and forth with them. <laughs> well, I thought it was called Mantis, too. Like, wants them to fight with knives. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Am I missing anything then, I think, from there? We get the Tony monologue also where he says, I love yeah. you 3,000 to his daughter. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, right in the feels. Brutal. <laughs> right in the feels. Um, and I guess that's it. Now, were you guys surprised that there was no... Well, you get the cap. We the can't cap forget about America. cap. Oh, yeah, that's right. He goes, he goes back, back to, to, to get the last the dance. I completely closer. forgot. Yeah. yeah um, and were you so... Again, in the comics, I think Sam uh, does become Iron Man, but the second Iron Man is cap. really... Captain America. Captain yeah. America. God. <laughs> Cross it is, over. Uh, here. No, is uh, Bucky Barnes? Yeah. Um. So he assumes a mantle after uh, Captain America is killed in the Civil War. In the Civil graphic War. Yeah. yeah. And and he also marries Black Widow, but I guess that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see because, like I mentioned, Disney Plus earlier, one of the spinoff shows that they're doing is a Falcon and Winter Soldier show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's going to 
if that's a working title until Endgame comes out and that it's actually going to be Sam as the new Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or if this is going to be set in a different time uh, of the the series. And Scarlet Witch has her WandaVision with her and Vision. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Loki show where he's supposedly going through time to different historical events. And then there's a Hawkeye show also. So how do you guys feel about um, about Sam taking up the mantle then as Captain America? Do you think that he will get a real standalone movie, or do you think it may be Disney Plus? What do you think, John? Yeah, well, first, just to sort of speak to that moment, I think it's a good example of showing, not telling, when mm-hmm. it comes to movies. So during that scene, you can see uh, Sam, he sort of looks at Bucky for just a second. He's like, and Bucky sort of gives a nod of approval, like, yeah, this is okay, this is your destiny. I thought that was a really cool nod, because you'd think that Steve Rogers would sort of give the Captain America title to his best friend, Bucky. But Bucky says to Sam, like, hey, you know what, it's okay. You've earned this. This is good for you. So I thought that was a really cool moment. It was just three seconds in the movie, but that meant a lot to me, uh, sort of with the whole scope of the movies involved. Um, and But going forward, I think I'd be excited for Sam mm-hmm. as Captain America. I think that could be really cool to see where he takes the character. Well, and in the battle scene when he uses the wings that to, was like, gnarly. to <laughs> spear the creature. He sharpened those awesome. bad boys up while he was zapped. <laughs> it was really cool. Um Let's see, then I guess, so then the Captain America, we figure out. We end with the dance. Yeah, he is going to retire, and that's how the movie ends, which I thought was a really cool ending to the movie, that Mm -hmm. both Iron Man and Captain America, the two OGs throughout this whole process, they both kind of got their ending. Tony went out the hero, he had his family, Um, he did get to say goodbye in a sense with that recording. Mm -hmm. Captain America got to be with the woman that he was deprived of. And I think moving forward, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with those guys. But the, the after the credit scene that Marvel has made famous, I mean, I don't know, like every movie I go to now, I almost want to just sit through the credits because uh-huh. I think something's coming. Right. Like I could watch just like Phantom Thread. Like, oh, there could be something after this. I'm going to wait. Um, were you guys surprised that there wasn't a, a post credit scene in Endgame? Or does that just show I, that Marvel is really trying to make that bright line divide i was very pleased that there wasn't i had read before going in that there wasn't going to be one but you get the really beautiful credits where anybody who's ever been in a marvel movie had had a little shout out and then of course the the original six they each get their their time to shine but i was fine with it because this is the first time in any of the 23 movies where there's any kind of sense of finality any closure and if that's what they're truly trying to do they don't need to set up what's next because they have a large enough fan base that people will see it regardless you don't need a little tease to hold you over until the next movie what do you think jake i completely agree i think you know now they rest you know i mean this has been this has been a tremendous undertaking not just the film but kind of the mcu in general now that they've kind of gotten this out of the way and they've made this and they've created this kind of amazing universe Mm -hmm. now they rest and now they sleep john what about you Yeah, I was okay with it as well. I think that sort of the last couple scenes of the movie kind of were so heavy, it made sense to let them sit on their own. Because sometimes, I remember going to see like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, there were five post-credit scenes in that one. (laughs) And that was sort of what what left me as I was walking out of the theater. I was like, oh my God, that was so many end credit scenes. I think that with this one, the last scenes of this movie Endgame were so heavy, it was good to let them sort of sit there and digest. But there is some conspiracy here. I don't know if you stuck around all the way until the very end, but you hear the clanging of the hammer, 
And some people are saying that that's just a tribute to Tony clanging the hammer in the cave, making the Iron Man suit. But some people are saying that that's the next Iron Man, someone who's inspired creating their own suit. And that's Hmm. a sign that Iron Man will be back in the universe at some point in a different fashion. I did hear about that. I was not going to stick to the entire credits. I had to pee (laughs) so bad. But yeah, I mean, it it is going to be, I mean, I think it's probably going to be the most box office successful movie of all time. Um, I think they said it's already projected to definitely go by Titanic. I think Avatar is number one currently. And so we'll see if worldwide, if this can't king of Avatar. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a big deal. We talked about it for over 45 minutes here. <laughs> yeah. um, and you guys did another, I mean, y'all's podcast. Almost Ours was, was that was like our longest hour. one ever. We yeah. we fully embraced <laughs> it. It was an hour and 23 minutes. Nice. Uh, you know, still shorter than the movie, though. So yeah. It's true. Yeah. Just uh, two hours and 50-some <laughs> minutes to go. Been okay. Um, so let's go ahead and, um, and talk then about uh, another movie franchise, and this is one that hits close to me, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, I, did you guys do a podcast when the Star Wars trailer hit? Have y'all touched on that we, yet? It wasn't like we talked about it, but it wasn't strictly about Star Wars. Okay. So, again, this is probably maybe a little bit of a generational thing, but even with me, I actually really like the, the original trilogy because my dad was a big Star Trek fan. That got me liking sci-fi early on. So I got into Star Wars, which broke his heart, but uh, I was like the original, and I remember going to see Phantom Menace when I was in, God, middle or maybe high school, and I mean, like, everyone was so jacked up for that, and little did we know that the prequels were terrible. (laughs) But it's interesting because they always, everyone says that the prequels are a good story with terrible characters, but the original trilogy is a bad story, but with amazing characters. We now have the newest trilogy, which, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Force Awakens was the original Star Wars movie. For sure. It was a new, yeah. yeah. Second one, I don't know. It's it's so interesting how divided everything is. Yeah. On pe- Some people We love, love The it. Last Jedi. I love The Last Jedi. On Inside the Film Yeah, we, we love so. The Last Jedi. And see, I, I do not like it. I just don't. Really? I, yeah, I just. We're I, gonna have to delete this whole recording. I don't think. Yeah, no, right. Oh, I just. I don't know that. I just think it, it's. It, it's got too many flaws that I just personally can't can't look over. Yeah. But the third one, with the JJ Abrams back at the helm. Yeah. And see, I don't know if that's a great or bad thing. I don't know. It's it's gonna be interesting to see because from the trailer you don't get that much, but the biggest thing I think overall is the very end of the trailer, mm-hmm. the Palpatine laugh. Right. Yeah. So as as guys, I mean, I'm assuming that you all have seen the original trilogy. You know, what does hearing like that Palpatine laugh? What does that mean to you guys when you heard it potentially coming back for this Star Wars Nine? Mm-hmm. I think the first first I was just shocked, um, but I think there's been so many conspiracies since then, different theories of what's actually going to happen, and I I think the most telling thing is that that happens while Rey is overlooking the ruins of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. So in some aspect, I think it's going to be some kind of like force ghost or or something along those lines, especially because it's the rise of Skywalker. So we could get force ghosts of original Anakin, of, of Darth Vader, like uh, of Luke Skywalker. Um, so I, I think there could be a heavy force ghost presence. Yeah, and I was, I was a little bit confused, but I've always trusted J.J. Abrams. You know, I think... Super 8 and Star Trek are some of the best sci-fi films of the past, you know, 10 years and Force Awakens as well. And he's never really steered me in a direction which I didn't want to go to. And um, 
I'm I'm curious to see how they how he's going to play into it because you know you never really know, especially with big yeah. franchises, they keep things so close to the vest. You, you talked about fan theories. Have you heard of the Darth Jar Jar theory? <laughs> oh God, yeah, I've seen that. Where he's the most he's the most powerful Sith Lord. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks, everyone. He's yeah. he's the secret behind Star Wars. I think it's interesting. You're talking about the prequels sucking, but for us, like I don't know if you're the same way, but for me, like being like five years old when those are coming out like I grow up watching those and I'm like these uh-huh. are so good so <laughs> awesome but then like now when I look back I'm like yeah you know maybe they weren't uh, yeah Hayden Christensen not the best choice for Anakin guys <laughs> I've uh, heard rumors that he's gonna come back as a force ghost though so no please not John what about you are you into Star Wars have you seen the, the trailer yeah so for me I definitely saw the trailer my relationship with Star Wars is definitely more, uh, I didn't really grow up going to the movies in theaters because sort of, I think I remember in fifth grade, episode three came out. So that's sort of outside of it, but I definitely grew up with the Legos and sort of the video oh, games yes. for <laughs> sure. So I have a deep relationship with the sort of the franchise itself, but the force, uh, excuse me, the Palpatine laugh didn't didn't mean as much to me, I think, because I don't have as stronger connection with those older movies, mm-hmm. but I could see if you're someone who's grown up on those older movies, that could be definitely a huge thing for you. So let's go ahead then and transition uh, kind of just in the last 10, 15 minutes here, kind of away from the specific movies and and kind of the the sci-fi culture, because I think it, it, it it's just so interesting. We talked about this at the very beginning that, I mean, you guys are both Division One football players. And you know, 10, 15 years ago, you, know, you just didn't, People were just not so open about, yeah, yeah I love Star Wars, I love this stuff. Was it a transition that you guys saw like growing up, or is this very much like a more recent development, you think, that those types of people, you can be so open about it? Where in the past, you kind of would like secretly, you're watching Star Wars and like reading online, <laughs> but then at football practice, it's like not. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your guys' kind of thoughts on that? Again, is it something that, that you think has changed and you've seen it, or is it a more recent thing? Well, I think for me personally, like I've always, I didn't start playing football really till ninth grade. So, you know, my world was Star Wars, was Marvel, was DC, was all these different things. Mm-hmm. And um, getting introduced to this world, the world of athletics, the world of football, it was a bit of a jarring transition because when I was in ninth grade, it was still kind of up in the air about how to feel about these things. A lot of people felt ambivalent. A lot of people didn't necessarily know what direction to take. Was this kind of a closet nerd thing or was this, you know, premier pop culture? Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting and it's been exciting to see because, you know, now I can really be myself. And for the first 13, yeah. 14 years of my life, this is who I was and this is who I still am. And now, you know, I can kind of do that without fear of retribution because a lot of people on our team and a lot of people, you know, in Carolina athletics who I've met love these kinds of films. They love the Marvel. They love the Star Wars. They love all of it. And they, mm-hmm. you know, we've created a kind of space where it's not bad to talk about these things you know it's actually encouraged to kind of diversify your interests and make sure that you know you're representing the university representing yourself as best the way you can and the only way you can do that is by being yourself so absolutely yeah i've i've never been afraid to be fully into these movies into (laughs) anything in pop culture nerd culture whatever you want to call it um but i think over the past couple years like we've talked about it with marvel movies that it's turned into from a niche superhero interest into this massive, large-scale interest. And I think things like that, things like Game of Thrones, which if Mm -hmm. you had told, like, I I didn't have an interest in Game of Thrones when it first started, but then 
freshman year of college was when I really got into it. And if you had told me then that like maybe a couple years before that I'd be into something about like middle, like the middle ages, medieval castles and knights and dragons. And like, I would, I've always loved Harry Potter, but I never was yeah. really into like, that was something that people didn't necessarily deem cool back in the day. And now that it's this large pop scale phenomenon or like pop culture phenomenon, like everybody's in on it. And if you're not in on it, you feel left out. And I think that's really kind of helped to make it more acceptable to talk about, I guess, and people not have to be ashamed about it. And then, I mean, you guys, so you're senior, Zach, and then Jake, you're redshirt sophomore. sophomore. Mm-hmm. So when you guys see, like, even the younger guys coming in, like the freshmen or the or the visitors on campus, are they even more immersed in this than even you guys were growing up, You do you feel? I don't think anyone's more immersed in it than I was growing <laughs> that's up. That's a challenge to Jake. <laughs> Um, but no, I you know I think especially we're we're a tight knit team for sure, and you know there's not a lot of you know hate. There is no hate. There'll be you know, arguments like, in the locker yeah. room like three times a week about the Iron Man's more powerful yeah. than Captain America. Like I mean, you hear people anything. in each other's exactly. lockers yelling at each other. Yeah. It's like like I feel like on some teams they're arguing about like a rapper or like an NBA player versus mm-hmm. another NBA player, and we're in there like. Darth Vader would have killed like <laughs> Iron Man, like just co- like yeah. And you know, it's it's about being able to speak freely and about being able to be yourself, and that's what we do on our team. You know, it's like, and like you said, you know, every time you go into the locker room or if you go to the training table to eat, there's always something kind of related, at least tangentially, to Marvel or DC or Game mm-hmm. of Thrones or something like that. So it's always cool to see that. Now, Downton Abbey, maybe. I don't know if that one. Okay. I don't know if that one's breached our yeah. <laughs> breached our fortress yet. That's just fair. I'm too old for that. It's okay. You guys will get there eventually. <laughs> British TV. It's, a, it's all the rage. Um, let's go ahead then and, and talk about just what brought you guys to Carolina because you guys have talked about how the locker room you guys do just there is that that tight knit. You guys mm. do share a lot of the interests. Is that something that that you guys noticed when you were joining the team, being recruited, everything like that? So for myself, I was a preferred walk on. So coming out of high school, it was really a lot of, like I had talked to the coaches and they had told me that they wanted to have me if I could get into school. So one of the things that I really took into my recruiting process was asking myself like if football ended for me, if I had a career ending injury or something like that, would I be at a place where I'm still happy? Mm -hmm. And for me that answer was like, I could have gone to a small school and played and I had a couple offers from places like that, but I wanted to come here whether I was playing football or not. And luckily, I was able to play all four years uh, of football and never have any injuries or any have that have to have that question actually come into reality. But instead, I just was able to get the best of both worlds here, and I knew that's where I wanted to be. And I think for me, I was a a fairly well known recruit. I mean, he got verified on Twitter because of it. <laughs> <laughs> but both my parents had graduated from UNC, so there was always kind of that there. And I was in Charlotte; I was only two hours away. And then coming here, you know, I think you know what's lost on recruits and I guess what's discovered by recruits is that when you come here it's truly different you know you talk you hear about Carolina and you hear about kind of the greatness of it but you know if you haven't been here you can't really appreciate it for what it was and it's just about coming here and experiencing it and then I'm utterly thankful for my experience here and as I continue to grow here I think it's been a phenomenal time for me it's been a phenomenal time playing football and uh, I'm excited to kind of keep going and see where this goes. And so, you know, we've talked about the, the Star Wars topics, the, the Marvel, DC, just everything. You know, nerd in, back in the day used to be a very derogatory term. Yeah. 
now you know people wear that as a badge of honor you're yeah. like oh, i love nerd culture i mean yeah. it's it's you don't even really see people describing things in that way yeah. anymore so when you guys are talking about the locker room and just how you guys have so much fun talking about this stuff you know the last two seasons have been rough for for mm-hmm. the team overall coaching transition going into next season yeah. are you guys seeing that that hey everyone is just still even though we've we've, we've had some rough patches yeah. We're still in this thing together, and do you think that that's going to be kind of a key thing moving forward? I don't know I'll how defer much you... this one to Jake. <laughs> so yes, yeah, since you're graduating, Zach, we'll, we'll come back to you in a second. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think about that, Jake? Um, we are so much stronger because of what we've been through. I think, and, and you know, the fact that the, we've continued to be as tight knit as we have, considering the trials and tribulations that we had, and now we have kind of a great head coach and Mac Brown and kind of a great staff and that they've kind of pulled us together even further to kind of further envelop us and further kind of develop us as not only athletes, not only as football players, but as great young men as well. Um, I think looking forward to us, you know, our experiences have made us stronger and our um, personalities have made us stronger and made us stronger together. And um, having the coaching change, having uh, Coach Brown with us now and having the tremendous staff that he's brought along is only going to propel us to success. So. I will say that from an outsider's perspective, like I'm still connected with a bunch of the guys on the team, but mentioning like nerd culture or just anything extracurricular, mm-hmm. like our podcast or like I, Jake's working on a lot of different projects right now. I know a lot of the guys on the team are, but the staff is very encouraging Absolutely. from what I've heard of people pursuing things outside of football. Like, yes, football is a big focus, but previously that wasn't really the case it was come over do your work here and then do it up whatever you want to do but instead they're partnering together right now and just really supporting their athletes in whatever they want to do and you know it's it's amazing we have people that work on resumes with us at lunch we have you know people that kind of connect with us and kind of we had a speaker that coach brown brought in named andy dinkin who is like a very kind of um, prominent member of Charlotte society in terms of the business side and he's kind of linked up with all this and kind of established connections and the great thing about um, this staff is that they're encouraging us to be who we are you, you said know? coach Hess listened to the podcast like yeah yeah the strength, uh, the strength coach listened and I had put out a short story in January and he had read that as well and uh, coach Brown's wife had actually also read the story as well nice. so um, but you know the great thing like Taman Fox he's an artist um, um, and he's a brilliant artist. And we have another kid named Alex Nobles who's also a talented painter. We have guys that do music. We have guys that love to read. We have guys that are interested in so many different things. And the coaching staff has, you know, allowed us to be who we are and kind of helped us flourish in that regard. So that's all, that's been a tremendous thing for us. Well, and it's so cool that, you know, especially, I mean, I know this is not unique to Carolina, but we're recording this podcast live in a studio that you just have these resources here mm-hmm. absolutely um, where you guys can just do it so you know zach let's go ahead and kind of wrap this thing up with you as far as my portion i'll turn it over to john to see if he has any questions here in a second but when you're looking back over your four years what's kind of like some of the memories that you will always remember and i guess that's part number one part number two when you're watching these marvel movies or anything like that is that something that you guys have done like as like a big like group gone and all seen it together? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember I think it was the Black Panther premiere. Yeah. We had like two rows at Silver Spot down the street yeah. and, and we all were going there together. So it's I mean, the first part of the question like obviously there's going to be memories of of playing and I went when everything, I mean, it sounds so cliché to say it, but like at the end of the day, what I'm going to remember is the people that I've been around mm-hmm. and the, the locker room times that, w- that we've had together and just hanging out with my, my buddies. But, I mean, obviously different 
things like like beating Pitt on the last second touchdown. Like that's gonna be with me forever. But it's gonna be the lifelong friendships and relationships that I've made. Awesome. All right. Well, John, did you have anything for for Zach and Jake here? I guess uh, last question would be: Is Mac Brown a Marvel fan? Have we figured this out yet? <laughs> is he has he watched the movies or anything um, like that? I don't. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him. I, you know, we've only talked. Give him the 23 movie schedule. Yeah. You know, get, <laughs> yeah. get him we've set up. Yeah, we've only talked sparingly about Marvel, but I'll have to kind of pick his brain and see where he's, where he's at. So. That'll be a topic for y'all's next podcast. <laughs> have um, Coach Brown on the podcast. <laughs> let him talk. <laughs> That's it. All right, you guys. Well, look, really appreciate y'all taking the time Thank to you for talk having with us. Thank you. Thank no you. problem. Um, best of luck moving forward for, again, for everyone that, that is not subscribed inside the fill room you guys were also interviewed by the abc 11 was it who came yeah, in? it was uh, down in charlotte over wsoc tv okay i just saw that you guys are also um you know that they did an interview with you guys so i mean we're just trying to build the brand you yeah. know <laughs> no. all right well hey again thank you guys so much we'll go thank ahead and call you. it a quits here everyone listening in here at inside carolina we appreciate it we'll talk with everyone again soon thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.